Following our interview with Jalen, there was a shooting at Oxford High School, the school Jalen attended. We begin this episode with the prayer Jalen rendered to his community, and we dedicate his episode to the four students that tragically lost their lives during this horrific event. God, I pray right now for every student, every student in this region, every student at Oxford High School. God, I just pray that you meet them right where they are. Let them know that they are loved and you see their pain and you're with them in their pain and you feel their pain. God, I pray for you right now, Lord, that you be the God of comfort. God, I pray that you heal like only you can heal. God, I pray for every student still in that hospital room. God, I pray for great wisdom like only you can give to all the physicians and the doctors. God, I pray that you supernaturally give them an ability to heal and mend like they've never healed and mended before. God, I pray for every parent of every student. God, I pray that you let them know that you are there. God, I pray that this becomes a community, a greater region that comes together in times of division and loves people well. God, I pray that we love each other in circumstances like this like we've never loved before. God, I pray that people see your face in the way that we love one another and we come around this community. Welcome to the Dripping in Black podcast, where we celebrate Black excellence throughout the Black diaspora. Here's your host, David V. Lewis. What's up, good people all across the world? This is the Dripping in Black podcast. I am your host, David V. Lewis, and per usual, we have another fantastic guest who represents Black excellence across the Black diaspora. Today's guest is Mr. Jalen Seawright. Jalen, say hello to the world. Hey, hey, everybody. It's good to be with y'all. Yeah. Real excited to talk to this young man, uh, got his hands in quite a few things, and so the conversation will kind of bounce around. But we always like to introduce our guests to our audience. And I begin with a somewhat convoluted question, I think. And that is, who are they? So who is Jalen Seawright? Man, that's interesting because that's a question I feel like I'm still defining, man. As, as seasons go on in my life, uh, I think... I'm always in a state of becoming and I'm good with that. You know, I'm real good with that. Uh, It's something that I think, you know, culture kind of doesn't necessarily uh, make easy for you to understand. I think everybody kind of expects for you to have it together, have it all figured out or at least present yourself yeah. in that way. But as I say, man, I'm, I'm comfortable saying like I'm becoming, I'm a, I'm a very confident, proud black man. Uh, I, uh, am a married man. I'm a husband first. I'm a father of two beautiful girls, Carrington and Cadence. Uh, they're my world. I got another one on the way coming in February. Um, and so I'm, I'm a true girl dad. That's what I am. That's what I do. I paint the nails. I do the hair, all that stuff. (laughs) I'm a, I'm a confident and, and very proud black father. Um, 
And I'd say uh, part of what makes me me is is I'm musical and artistic in everything that I do. So if I had to sum it up real quick, I'd say I am a black husband and father who's driven by artistic expression. That's me in a nutshell. Man, that's that's the most poetic response <laughs> we've had to date. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. good. <laughs> All right. So what, where are you from? Man, I'm from Pontiac. Um, my my dad is a is a Pontiacer. My mom's a Detroiter, uh, and uh, so I spent my uh, younger years in Pontiac. But um, I graduated high school in a in a city called Oxford, Michigan, which is about a half hour north of Pontiac. And so uh, I still claim the yak, though I still do, even though I didn't graduate high school from there. But uh, Pontiac's where I'm from. Okay. Yeah. And I'm curious about because I, I don't know you personally, but mm-hmm. we, we have you on. How did the, this 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 come about? You coming on to the Dripping in Black podcast? And my, I, I call him my Uncle Sean, Sean Smith. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, he knew me ever since I came, you know, into this world uh, when I was a knuckleheaded okay. little boy. Um, I mean, my, a lot of people know me for my music. I mean, music is what I do. Uh, and and just like he tells it, I tell it the same. He was my first music teacher, my first ofi- wow. official music teacher in church. He uh, started teaching me keys, and that's the instrument I stuck with. That's my that's my main thing. And so that's how I heard about Dripping in Black. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just grateful to be here because it's like, wow, you know, Sean's one of my heroes. So to be able to be a part of anything he's a part of, I feel like I've arrived. I've made it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Shout out to S squared. All right. So let's get into it. So you are a musician by trade. What, what kind of music do you make? Man? uh, Yeah. I mean, I was, I'd say I'm a musician by trade, by profession too. That's kind of the way that I feed my family. Um, but I kind of okay. do whatever, whatever I get, but I started off in, in gospel. Um, gospel was okay. my thing. Uh, I sing and I, and I play keys. That's kind of the two things I do. And, and I write a lot, but, um, I ended up getting off into, uh, jazz for a little minute and then really spent like most of my adult life so far. I've been in a lot of CCM circles, a lot of big white church circles, um, uh, which is mm-hmm. a whole different kind of conversation about what that's like. But, um, that's kind of like the way that I've been, uh, you know, perceived as a, as a musician. So music's what I do. I, I do just about anything. I work on R and B projects. I've got a project I do right now called the Detroit sound where I assemble like some of the best artists in the industry around Metro Detroit. Mm. And we come together wow. in a room and we, uh, we all get together kind of like a Motown feel. And what we do is we bring our gifts and our talents together and we use them to find up and coming artists who might not have the means to be able to get their music heard. And uh, what we do is we then produce and uh, we produce and, and, and figure out a way to display their art, their original music, their original craft, whatever they're doing. 
Uh, and we produce it for them and put them out there, hoping to give them a platform with our platform. So we're trying to find the new sound of Metro Detroit by helping a lot of the kids and the people that don't really have the means to meet the right people, uh, but are great in their own sense. So uh, we're focused mostly on through Detroit Sound with music. We're focused on uh, mostly young people of color, black and brown, mm. uh, beautiful okay. kings and queens that are are producing and killing it in music. We're trying to give them yeah. give them more platform. Yeah. I, I got to be honest, man. You keep tossing this word young out, and I'm looking at you like, man, how old is this dude? You said you had two <laughs> daughters and married. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. So, yeah, man. Tell I, me how old you are, and tell me how long have you been in uh, the music game? Oh, man. Uh, well, first of all, I got this baby face and I'm using the mess out of it. But I am pretty young, though. I'm, I'm 29. I'm just shy of 30. OK. Uh, but I was married at 23 uh, and I had my first at 25. And then 15 months okay. later, I had my second. And then my wife and I okay. said, well, hey, I think there's some pills or candy that can stop these kids from coming. So uh, <laughs> we took a little break for a while. Before we got pregnant with this one that's on the way. Um, I've been in the music uh, thing. I probably say uh, since I was about 14, I've been making money from it. But I've been playing and, and doing my thing probably since I was about five or six. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. And so paint a picture for me. A, a week in the life of Jalen C. Wright from a musical <laughs> professional standpoint. What is it? What is it like? Oh man, man, I'm in, I'm, this is when I was talking, like what I said earlier about becoming, man, a week in the life of Jalen C right, right now makes no sense, man. I'm, I'm finding <laughs> new lanes right now. Um, and I'm actually kind of shying out of music. I left staff of a really big, uh, predominantly white church, um, uh, back in mm-hmm. January of this year. And, Ever since, like the past 11 months have just been crazy. I've stepped into a lot of justice work. Um, I've been uh, developing a whole lot of content around making sure black men, black fathers are represented well. Um, I use my social media platforms to do that. Because uh, I got tired of hearing this in the past 18 to 24 months. I got tired of hearing that the problem with the black community is fatherlessness. And I was like, man, I know so many black dudes that are amazing yeah. fathers. And yeah. uh, so I've really been trying to, I linked up with a couple black dudes, black fathers in the Detroit area, got on board with what they were doing and really just trying to push black excellence from a black father's perspective. I'm also, I've been in both worlds, man. I've, I've, I've been with some of the most racist white people, you know, to date. Um, <laughs> and I've been in some of the most blackest places and, and just urban <laughs> black culture as, as it gets. And uh, and the thing is, is for me, I see so clearly the, the dividing lines and the things mm. that keep us uh, apart and all the racist systems and constructs that are doing exactly what they were created to do. Um, and I feel mm-hmm. like I, I have a different lens and a different eyesight into how to approach and honestly dismantle some of those walls and systems. And so I've really taken approach uh, with my life right now uh, through trying to come through the, the back door of certain systems with the leverage that I have in the white community. Um and so, uh, man, wow. I'm just doing a lot of stuff. So a week in the life of Jalen, I mean, I'm on planes constantly right now. So I, I'm working out in L.A. with 
a mentor of mine. Got some work in San Francisco as well that I'm doing. So I'm out there probably two weeks out of the month. And then I'm here in Detroit and I'm always cooking some music or or doing some kind of yeah. justice work around the Metro Detroit area. So it's all over the place. And then when I'm home, I'm chilling with my girls. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so part of that that travel has to deal with, I think, this nonprofit we, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. And I like I told like I told y'all I was I was on staff at this um, at this predominantly white church. I mean, huge church between fifteen twenty thousand members, big church. And uh, the pandemic hit, and I don't know if any of y'all noticed that uh, a lot of the hoods came out during that time. And when I say hoods, I'm talking about the white ones with the little peep holes. In yes, them. indeed. And uh, just to be honest with you, I realized just um, I mean, I was doing all the music at this church and and don't let me paint this church in a bad light in any ways, because there were beautiful leaders, beautiful people there. I love that community. I'm still in relationship with them. But at the same time, I realized um, how how much I was stifled. I couldn't really be myself. I couldn't express myself wow. as a proud black man. And I couldn't express my full self, which means all the pain and trauma that has brought me to who I am today. And so uh, basically, uh, I was in a situation where I had to either shut up or I had to go. And so uh, I just okay. I decided to go. Wow. Um, and when I when I left, I said, I still have a, a huge heart for there to be more bridges built between the black and white community because the white community holds a ton of power and a ton of resources. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. The yeah. black community has a ton of resources and power as well, yeah. but because of systems and, and different things and, and policies, racist policies and things like that, it's like, uh, yeah. I knew that there was no escaping, Right for the black community, unless there was something done to at least turn the hearts of a few powerful white folks. And so um, mm -hmm. I said, how do we do it? And so I came up with this idea to start a nonprofit that is all about stories, all about presenting different narratives, narratives that are different mm -hmm. than the ones you see in the media. And so uh, okay. we collect video stories and things like that, but it's multicultural. I've got an Asian American lawyer. She's a woman. Uh, she's Korean and she's killing it in justice work in law. And I've got a, a white guy from San Francisco on my team. He is a uh, an educator. He's got his uh, doctorate in education with a focus in curriculum writing. I've got a Korean American pastor on my team. I myself, I'm a proud black man on the team, leading the team. And I've got a Caucasian American. Yeah woman on the team um, really focused on justice work and our whole idea is to paint different pictures of marginalized communities yeah. telling their stories well and presenting it to white businesses and 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 corporations yeah. and and venture capital companies to to get them to do this diversity kind of training with their staff so that's what we is all about yeah wow uh that's a powerful work man uh uh, we're we're in line or we're in alignment. Um, yeah. We focus here on black excellence, mm -hmm. and the the primary uh, purpose of focusing on black excellence is the 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 common narrative is that black is not excellent. Black exactly. is uh, thugs. Blacks is in trouble. Um, uh, I didn't even think about on on a deep level what you mentioned earlier about the absentee black father that's such a common narrative 
And uh, Sean and I talk quite a bit about all the fathers that we know who are who happen to be black. And so that's interesting to wonder if that's one of those more common, uh, more uh, modern day tricks that we've come to accept within our community. That's really not true. Exactly. You know, um, but I, I like where you're where you're headed with yours because it's more inclusive and, and we need that as well. Right. Yeah. We need we need that in terms of bridging the gap. Right. We need this this platform we have with Dripping in Black to focus on black excellence and counter that negative of black folks just with a, a, a preponderance of stories of black excellence. But we also need that, that gap to be bridged, you know, cause we're not anti-white by any stretch of the imagination with right. dripping in black. We're just celebrating black excellence. Mm-hmm. So tremendous work that you're doing. Thank you. All right. So I just wanted to give you kudos there. Thank and you. so now I want to ask you, you're 29 Mm-hmm. Right. You started, you said at 14. Yeah. Music. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What could your 29 year old self tell your 14 year old self? <laughs> Woo. Man, so many things. How much time we got? No, but uh, man, uh, I, I'll be honest, man. I'll be vulnerable for a minute. And especially if there's any any young black dudes listening, um, man, uh, be disciplined. Be disciplined. Like, yeah. don't ride just your natural ability. Your natural ability will get you get you very far. I mean, I I know it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is like we are so talented as a people. I mean, like we are the culture to look to when it comes to art. Other people, no other races and cultures are constantly copying our music. They're copying our art, yeah. our dance moves, everything. You look at co- yeah. black influence Thanks. is so prevalent. So we are talented yeah. by nature, by design, the way God made us. We are just dripping, as y'all's podcast says, yeah. man. And so I say yeah. to the young black dude, don't stop there with this just this natural talent. You got to develop it. Not say to myself, yeah. my 14-year-old self is, Jay, man, you you got it. You're good, you know? But sit down and practice. Practice. Yeah. Practice. Like assert, like uh, apply yourself. Like like beat yourself into submission in some places, you know? And you, you know you mm-hmm. can't afford to just have all the fun. You need to you need to hone in on this craft. And, and there was so much grace for me in it because, I mean, I got that rhythm, you know, a little later on and I was able to make up some gain. But there's still those moments in my life right now where I'm like, man, if only I had really thought this out. I had the idea when I was 16, yeah. when I was 14. But if I would have really applied myself, I could have. And I'm not living in regret by any means. But at the same yeah. time, I say to my 14 year old self is, Sit down, buckle yourself in, and just focus. Be disciplined. That's what I say. Yeah, man, that's 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 great advice, and I'm, I like where you took it. That's really my intention when I ask that question. Is for the younger viewers and listeners to think about where they are at this moment, and hopefully can uh, learn from from those those words. All right, so now I have a two part. Um, the first part I want you to look at it from the standpoint of your music profession and where you are. Mm -hmm. All right. So you are at a certain level right now in your music game. Mm -hmm. Right. And you want to take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a switch that you flip and you're at that next level. 
what does that next level look like? Man, that next level is, uh, it, it, it has less to do with music and more about ownership. What I'm noticing is, is that there are so many uh, African-Americans, um, extremely talented artists who are cool, you know, with being on the stage and, and making their money that way. No knock to them at all. But you look at the top yeah. of these companies, and I love that you said that y'all aren't anti-white by any means, because I'm not either. But you look at the top of all these companies, and I've worked with and sat in rooms with a lot of these these bigger companies that are pumping out a lot of black music, a lot of some of the stuff you that are hitting top Billboard charts, and it's it's all white up there. It's all white up there, you know. Only every wow. once in a while will you get the you know the Babyface Edmonds or the L.A. Reid, and you know yeah. uh, very very or Jermaine Dupri. You you know those are. Those are not common names when you when you get yeah. to the top. You know, those are black yeah. black folks aren't common faces there. So for me, the switch that I would flip is it has to do with ownership. Um, I would love to see myself or help someone else who's black get to the place where there's an entertainment company label um, and all the the bells and whistles that goes with it that's completely black owned. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Wow. That's that's dope. So now I'm going to ask the same question mm -hmm. with regards to your nonprofit. So your nonprofit is here. You want to take it to the next level. You can flip a switch. What does that next level look like? Man, that next that, that next level, it looks like uh, a more empathetic and just society. Right. So uh, wow. have people walking more and talking more about people's stories and their context rather than news titles and rather than laws and legislation. I think we get caught up in terms. A lot of things that divide us is the fact that we talk about things we don't know anything about. And I hear white people and black people do the same thing. You know, I, yeah. I hear us all do it all together. <laughs> and so my, my heart would be that flip that switched is instead of talking about statistics, how many black people are this a year and how many or whatever else is to more hear about stories. Let me tell you about this black father I know from Detroit, because that yeah. can do more than a statistic. If I bring your heartstrings to feel something about someone, it'll change your entire perspective of maybe even a particular race. So my light switch for that is, is it would look like I flipped the switch and we would have more empathetic people around us, specifically more empathetic majority culture, our white sisters and brothers. Excellent, man. And so now the Dripping in Black uh, podcast is growing. Uh, we're looking for exponential growth. It's going to reach the world. Hmm. Uh, you have a world full of supporters out there now. What can some of the supporters that this podcast is going out to do tangibly to help you attain those next levels? So, you know, consider both of them. What can supporters do to help you attain that next level in music? And what can supporters do to help you reach that next level with your nonprofit? Man, I, I mean, the first thing is, oh, is I'm, I'm a man of faith and I never deny that, man. So if you pray out there, pray. Pray for because I think that like there's so many things stacked up against uh, uh, against our community. And when you try to do something good, certain people and certain spiritual powers don't like it. 
And uh, yeah. so I say prayers. The, the first thing I always ask for. The second thing I ask for, which is very important too, is is there's a way to donate to we. And and the way to donate to we is we have a website. It's through abide.community backslash we. Um, and you can also find me on social media. It's just my last name, C-Right, S-E-A-W-R-I-G-H-T, two underscores. And you can find information there about uh, my nonprofit, which is We Collectively on Instagram and Facebook. And so uh, there's a way you can donate there and you can find other ways to support there, too. You can sponsor a trip. We're going to be doing these trips next summer, uh, these civil rights tours through the south. And so um, wow. there's lots of ways to jump in and support that way. Yeah. Yeah. And could you use like uh, human resources in terms of like volunteers and things of that nature as well? Yeah, I mean, especially with a lot of the Detroit Sound kind of stuff, we're we're looking at partnering with another organization uh, in the summer of 2023 for a festival on the riverfront in Detroit. And so we're constantly uh, trying to align different uh, powers that be as well as volunteers that, that can jump into things like that. I'll have more information popping up within the next six months on that. Um, and then also I'm constantly doing community development and service work within, uh, you know, black and brown communities, Flint, Pontiac and Detroit. So you can find information uh, about that stuff on my uh, on my Instagram page and my Facebook as well. Yeah, drop those again, drop that website again and your social media again one more yeah. time. My my Instagram page when you can where you can find all the websites that too is my last name which is C Wright S E A W R I G H T with two underscores and that right there will lead you to it all uh, even my website and everything else so I won't I won't give y'all too much I'll give y'all my Instagram it'll lead you <laughs> right to where you need to go yeah all right so we're gonna get now to the last final and most important question. All right, of our I'm ready. podcast. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Have you ever been on the cover of a magazine? <laughs> uh no, not yet. Not yet. Never been on what? the cover of a magazine. <laughs> no, no. Uh, what? Okay. Never been no on the cover uh, of church magazine. magazine, no nothing. No, that I could think of. No, I mean, I had a, a baby picture one time back in the nineties. It was real popular to put, put your child on a, on a magazine for a picture. I had one of those, mm. but, uh, no, oh, that I counts? mean, I, I, say it again. That one counts. That one counts. Count yeah. That. Okay. There's that. I mean, I've been on a, a ton of pamphlets and informational mm. books and all kind of stuff like that. But as far as a magazine, but maybe one day I'll grace the cover of Ebony. We'll see. Uh, well, well. before you get to Ebony, there's one thing <laughs> that we do for all of our guests here. And mm -hmm. my producer, Esquire Sean Smith, your mentor, is going to pull yes. up your picture. But we placed you on the cover of the Dripping in Black magazine. Oh, man. Okay. I vibe <laughs> with that right there. My first <laughs> magazine cover, Dripping in Black. I yes, love it. sir. I love it. I love it. It's nothing quite like the first time either, so. When you hit Ebony, make sure you let them know where you started off. And that's oh, man. Dripping in black. This is most special than Ebony right here. This is my first one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. And so that's also a parting gift that we will send out as a thank you for coming on to the show. And you can look over my shoulder. I got quite a few uh, guests from the first season 
that are uh, on my wall of fame. And we will love definitely it. put Jalen C right up there in the not too distant future. Man, I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Amonic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to seeing what you do next, man. Um, I think we have a kindred mission. Uh, I think there's things for us to do together down the line. And I'm just so glad that I met you. And I'm, I'm proud of the work you're doing. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. I want to thank you again for coming out to the Dripping in Black podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been such an honor to be here with y'all. I'm honored. Yeah, we'll ask the audience to hang on for the final segment of our podcast called The Last Drip. But thanks again to the talented Jalen. Hey, Jalen, one of the things that uh, I always wish I could do is sing, man. I I don't know anybody (laughs) who can't sing that doesn't wish they could sing, man. So that that right there, hit hit a couple of notes for us. Oh man, you put me on the spot. Let's see. I guess I'll yes. uh I guess I'll I'll have to go to uh a little Marvin Gaye. We're in the Motown, right? Mother, mother, yes. there's far too many of you crying. And brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. All right, don't give him no more. We got to charge him for the rest. All right. Appreciate you, man. Again, appreciate thanks y'all. for coming out. Everybody else hang on for the last drip, but thanks again to Jalen Seawright. Thank you. Up next, the last drip, but first, a message from Anchor. Hey, Dripping in Black, thanks Jalen Seawright. We thank him for stopping by and sharing his inspirational story with us, and we wish him much success in all of his pursuits. However, we have reached the final segment of our podcast called The Last Drip. The Last Drip is the last opportunity for us to squeeze in a bit more of Black excellence for you. In this final segment, we highlight a common thread between our guests and our vast and rich African-American history. For this episode, we highlight the legacy of the late, great Sammy Davis Jr. Born December 8, 1925 in Harlem, New York, Davis was a performer at an early age. He was born to performing parents, and by the time he was eight years old, he had already appeared in two movies. When he turned 18, he was drafted into the United States Army. It was during his service days that Davis eventually learned that his ability to perform enable him to overcome bigotry and prejudice from the white soldiers, a valuable lesson that he would use going forward. In the 1960s, he was one of the prominent members of the Rat Pack, in which he shared the stage with the likes of Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. As an A-list celebrity, Davis refused to work at venues which would practice racial segregation. His demands would eventually lead to integration of nightclubs in Miami and casinos in Las Vegas. Davis's long career in show business was even more remarkable. He managed to break color barriers in an era of segregation. He was one of very few stars, African-American or white, to receive an Emmy, Tony, and Grammy Award nominations. He supported the civil rights movement of the 1960s, appearing publicly with people like Dr. Martin Luther King and raising thousands of dollars in benefit concerts to support the civil rights activists and activities. 
Davis's illustrious career as a dancer, singer, comedian, actor, and multi-instrumentalist spanned more than five decades, earning him the well-deserved nickname, Mr. Show Business. Very, very busy person throughout his career. A lot like our young guest, Jalen Seawright. Also like our guest, Jalen Seawright, his ability to bridge the gap between the black and white audiences and bring them together is why he's this episode's last trip. For more on the tremendous story of Sammy Davis Jr., check out notablebiographies.com, blackpast.org, and biography.com. My thanks to all of these websites for the knowledge. There is much more detail to Sammy Davis Jr.'s story, and I hope this is just an appetizer to encourage you to go learn more about him. Fantastic uh, entertainer um, known throughout the world and just opened so many doors. Uh, had an interesting political career in which he supported the rights of Black people and Black power, but also supported Republican candidates. So I encourage you to go check out more about Sammy Davis Jr. Very, very interesting figure in our history. We'll have to leave it there. I want to let the audience know that the DIBK Drip Shop is open. Go to DIBKDripShop.com to cop the latest Dripping in Black merch. And as always, a huge thanks to all of our listeners, viewers, supporters, and subscribers. And until next time, be kind be loving, and be excellent on purpose. It is a choice. You have just experienced a Dripping in Black production.